You're listening to the Gambling Gauchos, part of the Stake in the Plains content network and the Dave Campbell's Republic of Football podcast feed. Just a couple of casino caballeros talking Texas Tech, betting on the Big 12 and beyond. Now, here's Kyle Jacobson and Rob Bro live from the Cardinal Sports Center studio. Welcome to the Gambling Gauchos. I'm Rob Bro. He's Kyle Jacobson. We are live in the Cardinals Sports Center studio. Cardinals Sports gear up for the Texas Rangers, who are 1-0 in the ALCS now against the Houston Astros, winning game one, 2-0 to zero in Houston. A wonderful, wonderful win for the Texas Rangers. You can gear up to go to the ALCS or even the World Series there at Cardinals Sports Center. MyCardinalSports.com, or just go in person. They are, they're full of smiling faces. Uh, go and see them. Uh, you have a road game to Provo and then a bye week before you need to get ready for a Thursday night game so you can order online for your next Texas Tech appearance. Uh, you can do that at MyCardinalSports.com. But again, just go see them in person right outside the loop on Slide Road. Kyle, how you doing? Good, man. I'm pumped for our Rangers. You know, Took them a few days longer than it took the Twins to win the postseason game over the Astros, but that's okay. And, uh, hey, we're 1-0 in the ALCS, baby. Let's go. 6-0 and in the playoffs. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. Feeling pretty good as a Rangers fan. Uh, just got to keep it going. Today we're uh, rocking the primetime hat, of course, if you're on the YouTube stream. You can't see Kyle because he's in uh, communist uh, Russia right now. He's he's not allowed to stream, but you can hear him, and uh, he'll he'll sound well today. Maybe you won't be able to hear him. <laughs> All right, uh, Kyle. Let's get into the game. Uh, the, not the Rangers game. I wish we could just talk about the Rangers game, but we're going to talk about the Kansas state game. I'll be honest. I did not rewatch this game. I'm not going to rewatch the game. Uh, this is the first game of the year. I've not rewatched. I rewatched the rest of the losses. Uh, and I don't really want to go through the drive chart either. I just want to get right into the basics of the game. Um, another brutal loss to Kansas state because they do what you want to do better than you do it. Agreed on all accounts. I also did not rewatch this one. I think it's the only one that I haven't rewatched. Uh, maybe yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I even rewatched Tarleton. Um, disagree with you on one thing, though. Say again what you just said about how Kansas State does better what they want to do or what we want to do. They do. They do what I want Texas Tech to do better than what Texas Tech does. It is what I was trying to say. It's not what Texas Tech wants to do. Yeah, that was basically my only rub with what you said. Is yeah. clearly we do not want to line up and run the ball unless unless they give us like a three-man box we're just not going to do it and the i mentioned this on patreon already the play that just perfectly encapsulates why kansas state is so much better than you is i think it was you were winning 21 to 17 in the third quarter you stuff them on two straight runs you know you're playing it fine on third and 10 you call timeout and so I'm thinking, okay, uh, we better make good use of this timeout and draw up something to make sure we get the stop here, get the ball back. Uh, they were on the 30-yard line, so I guess they could have kicked a field goal. 
Uh, we come out of the timeout. They're in an empty set. And we have eight men in the box. And Avery Johnson goes 30 yards, literally without a finger being laid on him. Untouched. And so we can get into this whole deal on how selective do you need to be when running the ball. Um, clearly there's a point for us where we say that's too many men in the box. We don't like that look for this down and distance. We're not going to do it. Kansas State basically said, YOLO, we will move your eight men out of the way with ease and we will go score untouched. Now, we're a long ways from that mentality, but I would settle for like a happy medium. I would settle for, hey, there's seven men in the box. This isn't a super favorable look but we're still going to commit to being somewhat balanced and we're going to be a little bit disciplined and committed in our play calling here. But apparently we're not even there yet. No, and, and Collier asked in the – David Collier asked in the midweek press conference if – basically the gist of the question, I mentioned this on the midweek show, you know, you're getting bored of calling run plays, Zach Kitley, and Kitley said, you know, as an air raid guy, yada, yada, he is getting bored. He, he can't have a game, I guess, two in a row where he just commits to running the ball because it works. Um, and you don't have to have more touches. You have to have a better selection of touches. That fourth and three, anything else would have been better than a fade down the, down the sideline. Um, there were several other, the, the third interception, anything other than that play would have been a better play call. And, Again, I, on the play call stuff, I don't know if that's him or the quarterback, but good grief, it really felt like you were trying to press the ball down the field with tempo and a freshman quarterback, and I just did not understand that. I did not. You always talk about slowing down the game for a quarterback who is underwhelmed, and Jake Strong was underwhelming because he was being rushed at the line of scrimmage by his own offensive coordinator. Yeah, we didn't even go downfield which I'm like okay with doing in a vacuum against Kansas State. We covered that in the preview that their secondary has not been good at defending explosive plays. But we didn't even do that when Morton was in the game. And then it was like, okay, we've established a run. You know, Taj is at like, I don't know, five and a half yards per carry on 15 carries. And now that we have a true freshman in the game getting his first live action in his entire career, we're going to go vertical, 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 vertical. It's like – if there was ever a time and place to not do this, it's right now. And you only had one offensive possession, your very last one, where the game was out of reach. Because even down 10, you were in the red zone. And, like, you cut it to three there, and it's game on for the last few minutes of the fourth quarter. And, again, like, that possession ended with a deep shot to the end zone on a clean set of downs when you could have just handed the ball off. Yeah, that third interception, you see Taj Brooks coming off the sideline saying, what the F are we doing? You see it clear as day. I'm, I'm not a lip reader, but I could read that. And he didn't go back in the game. Cameron Valdez had the last uh, possession. So it's just frustrating. It was a frustrating game all around. And there were some articles written and whatever else about Taj Brooks doesn't need more carries. It's ludicrous to say so. Well, it's not. And it if he's your best player, he's not really a game breaker speed wise, but 
when you can get 11 yards with 11 guys in the box against Baylor, why can't you do it against Kansas State? Why do you not even try? Um, on fourth and three with trips to the left and only two people over there, throw a swing route and get to the sideline. Like, I don't know. I, I just am perplexed about a lot of things that happened in this game. Yeah, this is the second time that fans of the opponent that beat us after the game have tweeted at us and been like, hey, why did y'all go away from the run game? If I were a Tech fan, I'd be pissed that Taj Brooks didn't get more touches. I was worried that in the fourth quarter they were going to lean on Taj Brooks. It, I mean, it, to me, it's not an overstatement to say that we call plays in a way that is like exactly how our opponent wants us to call plays. And I mean that both in like a kind of a literal sense, but also, I mean, we openly admit that we allow the opponent to dictate what we're going to do on offense. And I know there are limits to this. Like, yeah, if there's a four-man box and they've got like everybody double covered, yeah, it's a good run look. Like, you probably shouldn't throw it in that spot. If they've got three high safeties and everybody's manned up, like, you probably shouldn't throw there. But if... Anytime we see a seven-man box, especially if we have a tight end in blocking it like it's six on seven and then you're trusting the running back to make a play against the seventh guy, uh, and we just say, well, no, we didn't get a run look. We're not going to do it. I touched on this, I think, after the West Virginia game. It's just such a loser mentality that good teams don't employ. I hate that we do it. And, again, like there's limitations to all this. Yes, there are some spots where, like, you have one pass call, one run call, and you you go with whatever the best look is. But when you have a running back like Taj Brooks, and over the last now five games, six games if you go back to Oregon, you just didn't do it at volume, you've had that, that much success running the ball. To me, like, it's just malpractice for him to not touch the ball 25 times in a game. And we kind of got better about that for a couple weeks there. You know, Houston, Baylor, we fed him the rock. And then we got away from it. And to me, it's just lack of discipline. Football is a game that requires discipline. Like every player out there has a technique. Like if the kicker rushes his steps, he's probably going to miss the field goal. That's bad discipline. Every edge player wants to pin his ears back, go after the pass. But if you do that every down, like eventually they're going to beat you because you've got one move. It's a lack of discipline. Like you have to play the run and the pass. Um, a quarterback, he may want to target one receiver versus all the other guys, but he's got to be disciplined, go through his reads, look at who the best receivers to throw to on that given play based on the coverage. It requires discipline from everybody. And what I see from our offensive coordinator is a lack of discipline and play calling where we just kind of like panic. It's like, oh, shit, we're down three or some other factors going on in the game. And, like, now we're just going to run as fast away uh, – as far away from running the ball as we can, as fast as we can, and default to this other stuff that hasn't worked all year and continues to not work, and it leaves everybody watching, scratching their head as to why we're not just handing the ball off to the guy who's clearly the best player on our offense. Uh, what are your thoughts on getting to the two-yard line, going quads left, and then quads left with linemen out there. It's called the ninja formation. And then quarterback sneaking it from the one. What did you think about that sequence? My thoughts are, what the hell are we doing? And when has lining up in that diamond formation and throwing it over there ever worked? Ever! It's we so tried it twice. We tried it twice in that set of downs and it didn't work. 
We tried it last year. It doesn't work. And then they finally uh, just hand it to Taj. Uh, this was the other sequence after Taj got it down inside the five and we go tempo. And he goes through like, un- like you have a 225-pound running back yeah. who's impossible to bring down on first contact. That that sequence and the third interception where he's in the red zone, you're down 10, and you throw another interception deep without running the ball. Like, those two sequences just broke me mentally. Um, I know you still scored on the quarterback sneak with Teeter coming in. Uh, why, why doesn't does Teeter play the fullback role? It, like, you're talking about having seven in the box. The way to combat that is to put a fullback in the game and a tight end and then have seven on seven. That's what Kansas State does. It's all about bodies. If they want to put seven in the box, you put seven in the backfield uh, with your your offensive line. And you get eight if you're Kansas State because they run the quarterback, but you can't do that, I guess. You had a 50-yard speed option run from Jake Strong, but I don't know. I just – nothing about this game was good to me. Um, it was a brutal loss. This from Nathan on the YouTube comments. Imagine saying you're the toughest, most competitive team in the nation and getting out-toughed four times in seven games. It's true. Kansas State was just tougher than you, and they they put you in your place. Yeah. Yeah. And I I don't get why – I mean, well, we're seven games in. We've probably run about 500 offensive snaps. Um, On any of those 500 snaps, have Taj Brooks and Cameron Valdez – been on the field at the same time no i mean like could, could we go two back can we like you're saying can we use henry teeter as like an h back put uh nehemiah martinez in there as a two yeah. back player. we're like allergic to it we're allergic to running the ball when we need to like sort of Pat Kitley on the back for being a little bit more disciplined against Houston Baylor, but Houston, you scored two special teams touchdowns. Baylor, you never trailed, and you led by two possessions for the last three quarters of the game. Yeah. And that's the only time you haven't forced tempo. In those two games. Uh, all right, Kyle, any uh, any other thoughts on uh, this game in particular before we, uh, I guess, move on? We're kind of blowing through the, pre- the the post game here, but there's not much to say otherwise. Oh, we lost Kyle. All right, we'll wait for him to uh, rejoin. Go back to the comments here for a second. Drove 700 miles to the game just for that to happen. To all people to lose to, it can't be Kansas State. They're the absolute worst. Well, they're not because I think it's, what, 8 out of 10 now that they've beaten you? Um it's frustrating. It really is. As we welcome Kyle back into the show, I've decided I'm going to put up a punching bag in my man cave uh, game watching area. That's probably a good thing to have, especially if you're a, just imagine for a second over the last three or four years, having to suffer through Texas tech athletics, the Cowboys, the Rangers, 
the Mavs. I mean, it's been a brutal existence for for a, a lot of the Texas Tech fans who have that kind of circle around their fandoms. Um, Kyle, any other thoughts on the game? Yeah. Um, I'm actually – oh, I don't know how, where to start. Um, there were some positives. I don't know if anybody wants to hear them right now. I thought Koy Aiken was really good. Um, you just don't really have any receivers making plays right now, and he's sort of been the exception of that rule the last couple games. I don't blame Jake Strong for – hardly anything. I'll put like 1% of the blame on Jake Strong because he he was out there, you know, so like everybody's responsible to some extent. But I think he was put in a terrible position. I don't think Kitley did him any favors whatsoever. And again, it's just an unforced error. Like, the game was not out of reach. You could have slowed it down, run some clock, said, hey, we probably want to minimize the total number of possessions that we have to put a true freshman out there. So, like, maybe let's play ball control in the second half. Go out there maybe four times instead of hurrying up to try to make it five or six. Um, I think that's all I have to say about the offense. Um, I'll, again, just reiterate that I think it's such a loser mentality to see a seven-man box and then just quit, wave the white flag and say, we refuse to run the ball against this look. One, it's just a bad kind of mindset when you're preaching to your team that we're we're so tough and they can't handle 60 minutes of us. Unless they have a seven-man box, then then we probably can't handle it, even though they line up against an eight-man box and torch us for 30 yards untouched. Um. What we always say to that, number two, is that, well, they're giving us a pass look, so we're going to take what the defense gives us. Like, newsflash, we suck at throwing the ball. We're not taking anything that they give us. If we were taking anything from the defense, we wouldn't have four losses right now. And then three, we saw the proof of this against Baylor. Um, When you do commit to running the ball, and then they give you a pass look. When they give you like a real pass look, when there's eight men in the box, imagine the looks you can get when Taj Brooks has 25 carries and they know you're committed to the run and they know they need to dedicate extra bodies to stopping it. Imagine the looks you'll get at that point. And we saw it against Baylor. They bring eight guys. We suck them in with play action. Baylor Cup's wide open for a wheel route. We play pitch and catch for seven points. We didn't do that against Kansas State. And we didn't try, which is the, the main beef I have with all of it. Uh, a couple of comments here. The the three passes on Jake Strong's first possession, 0 for 3, then a punt. Um, you did not throw more than 30 times in your two wins previously. You threw 28 times in the second half with Jake Strong. Now, yes, you're behind, but I don't know, 14 of 21 in the first half, 16 of 28 in the second half, 298 yards, a touchdown and three interceptions all from Jake Strong. Uh, You broke Taj Brooks' 100-yard game streak just because he didn't run in the last couple of drives. I don't know. I just – here's this question. Is Joey not overruling Kitley in the game plan? 
you, we talked about it on the Joey McGuire. This this worried us both, and we probably didn't get too worried about it at the time, but it really is coming back to be a big problem for me. Um, the Joey McGuire impressions video that Texas Tech football put out where everybody just says, we want to go fast because that's what Joey was preaching all off season. Joey's not overruling it. He's telling Kitley to go fast in the offense. Yes. I mean, that's what I said. And I know playing fast is different than tempo because defensively you want to play fast. You want to fly around the field. Um, and I'm sure that some of the, I want to play fast kind of mentality, but to have everyone say, I want to play fast. And then to say, well, we don't need to play tempo. It's, I don't know. It's just jarring to me. Yeah, Joey's in an interesting spot, and he he basically dodged questions in his post game press conference because everybody's asking him, you know, "Do you feel like you went away from Taj too soon? Do you feel like you could have run the ball more? Do you think you have a balanced enough approach?" And he just like pivots to like, "Well, you know, the defense. You know, you're not going to win many games giving up 279 yards rushing." And that's true, but, like, you're the head coach. You're accountable to all this. And if your offensive coordinator isn't calling a balanced enough game, like, you need the answer for that, too. There's not one thing that lost you this game. So, yeah, giving up 279 yards rushing didn't help, but that wasn't the question that was asked of you. What was asked of you is, are you running the ball enough? Did you go away from Taj too soon? Like, I would be for a very pointed question. Why a 30-yard shot downfield on fourth and three with a true freshman quarterback? What was the thinking that went into that? What was the justification? Why was that a better play call than handing it off, running a mesh concept to the trips at the top of the field, uh, punting? Like, you have other choices there. And if Joey's not going to answer that in the postgame press, like, I don't know, I would like to see the media be a little bit more I don't know, hold his feet to the fire. Look, like that's what the post-game presser is there for, right? For the coach to explain himself on some stuff, what went right, what went wrong. And I, I would love answers to that. And I, I think that Joey is probably trying to do what like a good coach should do and like take up for his staff and not throw people under the bus. But I also think some of these are questions that deserve answers. Yeah. I mean, they, you – you definitely should have to answer for why did you throw a deep fade on fourth and three in your own territory? I mean, that just seems like an easy answer. Or, yeah, I mean, we know answer, but an easy question. We know why the decision to go for it, analytics, but like the call, you can call a hundred different plays there. Why that one? With all the context, like true right. freshman quarterback. Your receivers haven't won a downfield one on one battle all year, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, and, and what? Like, the, um, how do I want to phrase this? The people calling for like change on the offensive side of the ball, nothing is going to happen until the end of the year. And so, like, at least I'm personally not going to harp on that every single week. And I think that's probably part of where Joey's mind is at when he's answering questions like that is sort of like, he's not going to outright say this, but like, we'll assess everything at the end of the year. If we need to make some sort of change, then we will. But like, there's no use in shaking things up 
personnel wise on the coaching staff midseason right now. And like, I think there was reason to shake it up when Matt Wills was the head coach because it allowed Joey to get his first recruiting class in. Um, if you fire the offensive coordinator right now, I don't know what good that does you. And so I don't think that's going to happen. I think Kidley deserves like we're 20 games in this. That's still not like a ton of time. And if he corrects it the rest of the way out, like maybe he quiets some of the haters, but like until the end of the season, what, what can be done right now is sort of my message to the fans. just like calling for people's heads. Like, it's not going to happen mid-season, so why harp on it every week? Have we seen a three-and-out where Taj Brooks runs it three times? I think so. How many three-and-outs do we have throwing it three times? A lot more than we have when we run it at least once or twice. Oh, man. Uh, Matt asking about a mid-season offensive coordinator. Do what? Yeah, who the hell's going to call the plays? Yeah, that, that's my that's my thing. And even a and even a, a postseason change. Who are you hiring? Like that's my whole thing. I, I'm not going to talk about firing a guy. When we wanted to fire Matt Wells, we had options to bring to the table. I, I don't have a list of offensive coordinators I want right now to just say, all right, this this isn't working. Here's who I want. Here's who I would prefer. This is the offense I want to run. Now, I do have some ideas on the offense, uh, but I don't have a list of names that you can go get, so I'm I'm not going to do that. I'm not prepared to. Oh, we lost Kyle again. Uh, Kyle, do you regret the Atmo? Uh, I'm sure he does not. Kyle does not regret many things. Uh, we'll ask him that when he returns. There's nothing major you can change offensively at this point in the season. I would agree with that as well. Um, but you can let you can let uh, let the offense cook. I mean, if he has a if he has a big finish, you were bad early last year, and you you just you finished strong, and that quieted a bunch of the early talk. So you can finish strong again. You can go four and zero to finish the year. Um, does it seem like that's going to happen? No, but you can. Uh, Kyle, you back? Yeah, I'm here. Uh, last thing I heard was who you're replacing him with. I I haven't even thought about that. And like again, I'm reiterating, I'm not calling for a midseason coaching change. I just I'm just saying, like you don't have anybody on staff. I don't think that's qualified to step in and like start calling plays if you. So I know that's like the knee-jerk reaction among fans. It's like, oh, fire Kitley. Um, don't think it's wise to do that mid-season. And, and like, there's a lot of steps in between just um, firing the guy and, like, accepting that we're going to throw the ball on 70% of our plays. Like, I mean, Joey could more or less put him on a pitch count, say, like, you need to incorporate X, Y, and Z into the game plan. We need to run it X amount. Um you know, barring some pretty extreme game flow, situational type stuff. Like, yeah, if we're down by 20, throw it out the window and we've got to throw the ball to catch up. He could hire a co-offensive coordinator, like a run game coordinator. There's a lot of different avenues you could go um, to improve the offense. You could switch up some position coaches. 
So I don't think it's just a binary choice of like, oh, we're stuck with this tempo, no identity, throw the ball sideways crap, or fire Kitley. I think there's options A, B, C, and D in between. And But it is, like, to be frank and, and to be clear, it is on Joey. He's the CEO of this operation. Like, one of his biggest jobs is to assemble a staff of assistant coaches and coordinators that execute the plan. And, like, if he's looking at this offense through 20 games and thinking, yeah, this is good enough, like, I'm sure he's not. And so it's on him to figure out, okay, if we're not good enough on offense, what can be done to make us good enough? And like, I'm sure he's there. I don't think he needs a bunch of fans on Twitter, like, tagging coaches to, like, let him know that the offense sucks. Like, I know that he knows that. We can all see it. Um, so, anyway, I'll, I, guess, I guess I'll leave that there for now. Chris says, bring back Cliff as OC and make him the highest paid offensive coordinator. That is not going to happen in a million years. That would be awesome. I would be down for that, but that's not going to happen in a million years. Here's the criteria for the next offensive coordinator, whenever that day comes. No leech ties, no air raid ties, no up-tempo, no Texas Tech ties. Yeah. I would rather have some high school coach than one of these air raid guys coming back. But I know, like, when that job is vacant, people's hot board list is going to be like, well, you could go Cliff Kingsbury, Graham Harrell, Sonny yeah. Cumbie. It's like, no. Like, let's get some guy that nobody's ever heard of in a good way. Like, we do not have to run – we are not beholden to this identity until the end of time. We can do something different. And most of the teams that are finding a lot of success on the offensive side of the ball um, are not doing this kind of throw it sideways crap. Like David Yost got fired for a reason. And Florida International sucks for a reason. I hate this offense. I And it doesn't have to be this way. Like we saw for two games. Yeah. It was not that way. And like it took a quarterback spraining his shoulder for us to go, oh, maybe we shouldn't throw it so often. It worked better than anything we've done all year. And then when we get the chance uh, with a true freshman throwing his first passes ever, we decided to just air it out and throw it 50 yards down the field for some reason. It makes no sense to me. Yeah. Uh, how surprised were you when the sun came up today? I was not surprised at all. Not that doom and gloom after I feel like I actually have more perspective than most fans. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe I just reached the point of acceptance earlier. Like I knew we weren't going to win that game. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like some tech fans, even when we're sitting at three and four, it just like shocks them on Saturday when we lose. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. I'm just, yeah. Anyway. Yes. Is what it is. All right, you ready for a, a mailbag? Um, yeah. You know what else I'm ready for? What are you ready for? Some Rojino barbecue. Rojino barbecue open Tuesday through Saturday, restaurant side. They're open seven days a week on the market side. Go out there, uh, get you some barbecue Tuesday through. Saturday, they've got black plate specials. They've been doing chicken fried steaks, chicken fried steak sandwiches. Uh, they've had some tacos. They've had some barbacoa. It just looks amazing every time I see it. 
Uh, they had the Rojino Philly, which looked amazing. Go out there, check it out. They've got specials all the time. You can get some sandwiches, or you can go get you a, a triple meat combo platter for the real men at Rojino Barbecue, RojinoBBQ.com. Search them out on Instagram as well, Rojino BBQ. You can order online and get it ready right when you're there so you don't have to wait in line. It's a beautiful time at Rojino Barbecue. All right, let's do the Matador Transit Mailbag. You've got mail. Mail time. The mail's here. I found these in my mailbag. Well, it's time to reach into the old mailbag here. Enjoy reading the fan mail. Don't read it all at once. Any mail for me? You don't have a tic-tac, do you? Do I get any mail? No. Why not, honey? All right, I like this question. Would we have been better out of the gate if we were predicted to be last in the conference? It's definitely spicy bulletin board material. Maybe we would have come out of the guns blazing instead of a flat after an off-season full of bloviating. Bloviating. Thoughts? I am pretty much at the point where I think no matter what the like noise and chatter is around the program, I think that's just all irrelevant. So I don't even know how to answer the question, to be honest with you. Joey certainly didn't think it was irrelevant, though. I mean, it, I would I would like to see this team uh, with a little more fight, and maybe you get that instead of eating the cheese all offseason. Uh, who are the top five pro prospects off of this team? Um, that's a good question. Um, Austin McNamara. Yes. Um, I saw Dadrian Taylor Demerson get a little bit of love from like one of those senior bowl type guys. Yeah. Um, I feel like Hutchings is probably not going to get a fair shot because he's like 5'10". Um, in terms of like pro prospect, I I don't know if like Todd or Bradley has the speed necessary. I think Taj is probably the next one on the list after McNamara and Rabbit. And I think Steve Linton still has the tools that will have him at least at the combine. Jerome Bradley has the height and weight measurables, arm length, hand size measurables that are going to get scouts' attention. But I don't know if that's enough. Um, again, no clue on measurables. A lot of this will probably depend on development, but Ben Roberts is one of the most impressive freshmen you've had at any position in 20 years. Yeah. So who knows what he could kind of turn into two or three years from now. What would be your closer entrance song and what is your out pitch? Out pitch is definitely the Ephus. And 12-6 hammer curve. <laughs> um, I'll stick with like the Rangers theme. I'll go with like my sacrifice for the run out song. 
I go, uh, Nazareth, hair of the dog. If you know, you know. Would also consider Cashmere by Led Zeppelin. Nice. Uh, how many crimes would you commit before becoming an A&M yell leader? I, why do we get crime questions? I, I'm not committing felonies. I would just be a yell leader. Like I, I'm not a crime guy. I don't want to be a yell leader, so zero. Yeah, I don't. But that, that makes it sound like you have to commit crimes in order to earn a spot as a yell leader, but that's not what I aspire to be in life. No, that's true. Uh, can we pull together to get one of the new end zone suites for the Parlay Picador exclusive access? That would be awesome. That would be awesome. Uh, is this okay? Sorry, I was reading this before to get some perspective here. Uh, is this West Virginia loss the worst in the history of college football from a fan's emotional perspective? You score with 12 seconds left to go up on the coach that willingly left your school for only Dogovan to throw a Hail Mary to rip that win away. I think worst loss in history is probably – I mean, it's rough, no doubt. Um, and, yeah, there are a lot of layers there, but no, I mean – Surely there's been a more meaningful game like a think about like Georgia in overtime of the national title game against Alabama. They were winning that entire game and some freshman named Tua comes in and just drops a dime on him in OT. On like fourth and thirty. Uh star bench cut shovel shuffle shuttle pass. It's a shovel pass, so I would start shovel. I've never heard of a shuttle pass, so I would cut shuttle. I probably agree with you. I think Leach actually had a – I think he called it a shuffle pass. Yeah. But that was sweet, that uh, the sh- shovel, shuffle, shuttle pass to Cup. Yeah, that's – that creativity that you know Kitley has that you just don't see very often. Uh, how many of the backup running backs transfer after seeing how forgotten Taj is during critical parts of games? It's a concern. I don't know if you're going to have some like mass exodus, but yeah, how do you sell running back prospects on like, hey, if you're lucky, we won't screw it up when we hand you the ball more than six times in a game like we did with Tosh Brooks when he was averaging 11 a pop versus Oregon. Like, I mean, if I'm a running back prospect, I'm looking around and going, yeah, I'm a lot more likely to touch the ball in other offenses. It's a concern. How cool is it that Jake Strong throws such a catchable deep ball? Regardless of which team catches it. It is a catchable ball. If you're at the Jones, are you getting a hot dog or a pretzel? Well, I'd honestly prefer a corn dog over either, but probably pretzel. I think usually concession stand hot dogs kind of let me down. I'm pro hot dog over pretzel. I don't. I don't really like a big soft pretzel. It's not really my my preferred snack. I do like the cup of cheese with it, though. Uh, you know, pretzels aren't bad. 
why is Kitley still on the coaching staff? Well, we answered that one. It's really hard to have a midseason change, and I don't, I really don't think that Kitley has been that bad to justify a midseason change. I mean, he's not been perfect, but I don't think he's been been bad enough to fire. Do you, Kyle? Immediately. Not midseason, and like people aren't going to want to hear this, but last year you finished ninety third in yards per play which in my opinion is kind of like probably the best metric for like, is our offense working on a down to down basis? Um, You managed to win eight games despite that. I think because you figured some stuff out toward the end of the year and sort of got a little bit creative in how you won games Uh, this year up to, I think like 60 something 63rd, maybe when I looked and it doesn't sound like a huge leap, but you're up like, 0.6 0.6 yards per play. So I don't know, like in that sense, the offense is improving. It's not translating to wins. Uh, we're not as balanced run pass as we all want to be. Um, I don't know. Like the other, this is a little bit of a side tangent, but you've been favored in six of seven games and you're three and four. And you're favored on the road in Provo, a game that a lot of people don't think you'll win. Like it's, I don't know, maybe this team did need a chip on their shoulder. Going back to that question we got earlier, like last year you were winning all these games as an underdog. And now that you're favored, you can't close the deal. So I, I don't know. All that to say, like from a yards per play standpoint, you're actually much better than you were last year. It just doesn't feel like it at all. Uh, Do you want to know what your ranked points per play in college football? What's that? 51st. So that's even better than our yards per play. Better than Houston, Wyoming, TCU, Florida, Auburn, South Carolina, Arkansas, Wisconsin, Oklahoma State. Uh, Iowa State's at 85. Let's see. NC State near 100. Illinois is 112. Baylor, 120. Arizona State, 125. So, I don't know. The, The offense hasn't been... Bad. It's just not been consistent, in my opinion. When has it been most consistent? When you ran the damn ball! Thanks for setting me up for that one. That's, again, that's the part that chaps my hide. Is like, it doesn't have to be this way. We have literally never, through seven games, we have never seen a scenario where we go, you know what, we ran the ball too much. They were loading the box. We should have gone away from it sooner. We should have thrown it more. But in all four losses, we're left wondering, what if we had run the ball more often? And the Kansas State one was the first one where, like, your defense was also getting torched simultaneously while all this is going on. So maybe it wouldn't have made a difference in this one. But what was it? He had three carries in the first half against West Virginia. He had six versus Oregon. We weren't that committed to it against Wyoming. So I don't know. It's like... 
I guess we're improving over last year on some of these points per play, yards per play stuff, but it feels like we could have an even higher ceiling and we just kind of like choose not to based on the play calling. It's frustrating. It is frustrating. Uh, I was trying to say, let's see, defensively, Opponents' points per play. I was trying to look that up, see if you're better or worse. Uh, 73rd points per play, but less than the offense. So your your defense is better than the offense points per play, 3.98 to 4.17, but you're about average both ways. I would love to see that adjusted for field position. Yes. Because I think we put our defense in bad spots all the time and like, Oh, they gave up, you know, 30 something points. It's like, well, yeah, but we also let the other team have the ball on our own 40. Cause we called a 30 yard fade on fourth and three. Woof. Uh, all right. Somebody else asked, and I don't see it here. Um, but should you have put the money into baseball or soccer? Instead of Texas Tech, the $200 million, instead of football. No, you should have put it into football. Um, you changed from turf to grass on the soccer pitch. So you did put uh, quite a bit into the soccer team as well this offseason. And then you put $12 million into a baseball facility. So it's not like you're neglecting those other teams to put $200 million into the football program. But you would like to see that return on investment. Uh, all right, Kyle, uh, I guess final thoughts. We're kind of blowing through this one. Wasn't there a basketball question in the mailbag? Was there? Let's see. Oh, that you put in there. Uh, yes. Let me go back to it. Sorry. Oh, apparently there's a bunch more questions that I didn't get to yet. What was I looking at? Uh, basketball, would you take being the last team in, in right now, or would you roll the dice inspired by Joel and Artie? I would roll the dice. I think I would take it at this point. Last team in. Going to Dayton? Yeah, I think some of those teams actually find pretty good success once they get there. Like you'd have a winnable play-in game, you know, an 11 seed versus an 11 seed. Like, the way I view a Big 12 team in that spot is like, okay, we were extremely battle-tested. Yeah, we're not as good as Kansas, Baylor, Houston, but, like, we're going to be better than the second or third best team in a lot of these conferences. So you win the play-in game, then you get a six. That's a winnable game, and then who knows from there. So I think year one, making it to the tournament would be huge. So I would take it right now. Now, if you told me, like, lose in the play-in game or roll the dice, I might roll the dice. But even then, I would think long and hard about it because I think making the tournament is a pretty good feather in your cap um, coming out of the best conference in the country year one after having to blow up the whole thing. So I, I would still give that some pretty serious thought. You need to win three games to make a bowl. Where do you see those wins? Well, you are favored in Provo, and we'll save, I guess, some of those thoughts for Wednesday. And then you've got two games in Lubbock, so I would say start there. Like, 
the next one, obviously, because you don't want to fall even deeper in the hole and like winning in Lawrence or Austin isn't going to be any easier than winning in Provo. So yeah, you need this next one really bad and you need to quit losing in Lubbock. That for sure. You have to win a road game uh, because you only have two more left at home. Uh, What could you have achieved in your life if you hadn't spent so many hours focusing on something as stupid as sports? I don't know. Some hobby. Probably playing the piano or something. I've given this some thought. I feel like I've done all right in my career. I've got a really good family, so I don't really want for a ton. But, uh, yeah, you do put a lot of hours into this, and like especially a football season that we all thought had a lot of hype and excitement and promise to turn out like we're three and four looking for enough wins to reach bowl eligibility. It's kind of like, yeah, why did I – why did I put so much time into this? Um, so I don't know. Maybe I'll come up with a good answer to that uh, in the off season. Come up with a new hobby. Hey, uh, I believe the soccer team today, Texas Tech soccer, clinched a share of the Big 12 title. So there's that. I think they need somebody else to lose to win it outright. I think is what I saw. Uh, seeing Scarlet's in the comment section, they can help me out there. Uh, do we deserve this curse for going under 500 with Mahomes at quarterback? <laughs> Ain't no curses. Ain't no curses. Uh, is the John Walker soccer complex more feared than the Jones? Hey, I was going to ask you this. Did you hear the reasoning that Patriots Papadakabas said they were going with Avery Johnson more um, in this game? Yes. What What were your thoughts on that? Basically, to paraphrase, he said, with the end zone construction and the current state of Texas Tech football, it was a, it was a good spot for them to put in the freshman. Like it was not intimidating at all. He's right. That's it. <laughs> I mean, the truth might hurt a little bit, but how many of these night game blackouts in a row have we lost? We play it up like it's just really tough. Like we've all got the 2008 Texas game in our minds. It's not what it's like in that stadium. We have a good number of fans show up. And we have a cool light show now. Uh, the Jumbotron is huge and it's loud, but um, plenty of teams over the last 15 years have come into the Jones and handled it just fine. So I hate to say it, but like if there if there's evidence out there that we're a really tough home environment, and I know we went six and one at home last year, but that was kind of the exception. Um, over the last decade plus. There's evidence out there showing that we have some incredible home field advantage. I would love to see it because it doesn't feel that way. And I also think uh, the data would not support that argument. That's tough. Uh, probably true, though. Uh, Texas Tech soccer needs to win in Ames on the 23rd to win the Big 12. Or BYU lose one of their next two, but unlikely BYU is really good. Just win and it's ours. That's from seeing Scarlet. So uh, Texas Tech soccer undefeated still on the season. A couple of draws. Uh, 
really, really good. It's fun to watch. Uh, I watched the uh, the TCU game. I I look. I don't know what it is, but I've really, really enjoyed soccer, local soccer. I really like the Matadors, and then uh, Texas Tech soccer has been really fun to watch. Obviously, when you're winning, it's fun to watch, but uh, it's been exciting. All right, now, Kyle, I think that's the end of the mailbag. Any final thoughts? We're going to fail to get to an hour here, I think, unless you have some expensive final thoughts. I don't. I feel like I've said everything that needs to be said, either here or um, in the Discord server on Patreon. Um, I am very much looking forward to going to Provo. You and I will both be there. And I, I think we'll have maybe even more to say on this after the game. But BYU and their fan base and their program, I think, is in a class of their own in terms of um, hospitality, generosity, like – I mean, we're we're going to be on a, a pregame show that's affiliated with BYU. We were invited out to do that. But on top of that, everybody's like, hey, if you need somewhere to stay, if you want to come to our tailgate, we'll take you out to dinner on Friday night. Just like way over the top, like as if they've got a uh, – like we're a client and they've got to like close a sales deal with us or something. It's like, you know, y'all are trying to beat us in a football – like an important football game. Um, and they're like treating us nicer than – most people treat their like friends and family. Um, yeah. it's, it's pretty incredible. It's like this weird, almost like reverse psychology deal where instead of like trash talking you or trying to minimize your, the program that you root for or something, they're just like as nice as possible to you. So I'm, it looks like they, they have the biggest stadium in the remaining big 12. It looks scenic from everything we've seen online. Um, looks like a really fun night game atmosphere. And so I'm, I'm looking forward to being up there to partake in all of that and uh, should serve as a nice turning of the page from whatever the hell we watched on Saturday against Kansas State. And I would like to beat Kansas State someday. I've, uh, I've, I guess I've seen it in my lifetime going back to the Leech days, but there's only like one that I like remember watching. Because um, I think after like 09 – we didn't beat them until 2015 with Mahomes, and like now we're closing in on it. It might be a decade, you know. Like who knows if we're gonna play him next year? And uh, somebody asked in the Discord, like, how can a school in Manhattan, Kansas, that like doesn't really recruit high level in terms of like your traditional recruiting rankings and stuff, like how can they beat you? You know, nine times out of ten. And like I don't, I don't really have a good answer. I mean, yeah, Bill Snyder, pound for pound, is like maybe the greatest college football coach of all time. Um, but he was not as great on his second stint there. And like, they've got a new guy now who I think is also a good coach, Chris Kleiman. But yeah, like, should you lose to that team nine times out of 10? Probably not. No. And it's because they, they can look at an eight man box with a freshman quarterback in empty and score untouched. And like, we look at a seven-man box with a 225-pound senior running back and go, eh, no thanks. But also, we're the toughest team in the country. It's like um, having a hard time squaring that. So, yeah, I would love to beat Kansas State someday. Maybe soon. 
Certainly would be nice. And in the meantime, I guess we'll just have to go enjoy some cougar tails. Hell yeah. Do you like uh, maple donuts? Um, Probably not my cup of tea, but, you know, win in Provo. Win in Provo. Do as the Provians do. If they uh, if they come into the visitor section and try to hand me the free ice cream in the third quarter and Taj is at like six carries for 48 yards, I'm probably going to just throw it at somebody just out of rage. So I hope that some unsuspecting, Slap wholesome, it out of your hand. wholesome, kind, sweet BYU fan doesn't get the brunt of my temper tantrum. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. The, Jake Strong will be 27 for 48, and Taj will be like four carries for 26 yards. Oh, man. I, yeah, that's going to be fun to go all the way down there for a loss. I'll be like, hey, thanks so much for inviting us to y'all's beautiful stadium. I'm now going to jump off the side of it because this is just maddening. All right, we're doing the preview here. We need to wait for Wednesday to do that. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It'll be fun. It'll be fun. Well, We'll get our uh, shit together and and be more positive Wednesday, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's all I got. You said it all, Rob. Talk to say it. Love (laughs) y'all. Oh, man.